Ogumbawale for the win. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard McDowell, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. We are chock full of women's basketball every single weekday. Make sure you don't miss a moment of it. And for those of you who are tired like me this morning, because you didn't miss a moment of it, because there was a crazy doubleheader last night, and the late game featured, I mean, I'll just by way of introduction, I want to explain that I grew up a New York Knicks fan. And so I grew up on the stories from my dad about Willis Reed coming out and performing in a time that people thought injuries were going to keep him from playing in Game 7 of the 1970 NBA Finals. And he came out and he scored the first four points and it lifted the New York Knicks to victory. But it sort of lifted them to victory. You know, those are the only four points he ever scored in that game. And it took Walt Frazier putting up 36 points and 19 assists in order to win that game and win an NBA title. And yes, people, there was a time in which the Knicks won an NBA title. That's not what happened last night with the Connecticut Sun. Connecticut Sun won one in a series, best of five, going up against an Aces team. That was first overall in seeding, had the 2020 MVP in Asia Wilson, and lest you wonder whether she should have been the MVP or not, there was a play last night where she scored over three Connecticut Sun. I mean, she is just a dominant figure in this game right now. But it wasn't enough to win because Alyssa Thomas came out and scored 23 points and then 12 rebounds and did all the Alyssa Thomas things that we are used to, despite having a dislocated shoulder on top of a pair of torn labrums in her shoulder. So, trying to make sense of it all, I'm I'm joined by the great Natalie Heverin, who writes about the sun uh, for me over at the next. Natalie, good morning. I, I, my question to you, and, and I don't mean to get too deep in the weeds, uh, looking at the stats, is what? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Alyssa Thomas just had a normal Alyssa Thomas game with a dislocated shoulder that they popped back in about 48 hours before. I, I mean, there were these stories you hear from the other players of hearing her screaming from the other locker rooms. I mean, this was... All right, let's just set a little context uh, before we talk about the basketball side of it, right? She doesn't like to talk about her shoulders. She's been playing with torn labrums in both her shoulders for several years now. For several years. I am a little bit sore this morning just thinking about it. And so this is the norm for her. But what isn't the norm for her is having this dislocated shoulder. And so Kurt Miller took us through this. They brought her for an MRI. I mean, there was this assumption. And and you think about it in retrospect. You think about it knowing what we know about Alyssa Thomas and knowing what we know now about what she's done. It's almost comical that the assumption was that she'd be done for the year. 
That was that was the way Kurt sounded the other night. I mean, was that your impression uh, at post game after game two? Yeah, and then even at um, pregame, sixty five minutes before the game, he was like, "We'll see how she goes in um, in warm ups, and then we'll go from there." And then she, it came out maybe forty five minutes after that that she was starting, and WNBA Twitter kind of lost it, just <laughs> saying how. Um, like, how is it even possible? When it came out that she was questionable and was just going through warm-ups, Twitter was like, how? How is this possible? Um, and that only increased when they found out she was still starting. The great Alexa Philippou and I were talking uh, after shoot-around yesterday afternoon. I'm trying to remember which one of the Sun players said something like, if AT plays, and it was conditional. We were both like, hmm, hmm. I mean, I, I, that's basically what we were what we were saying. And I, I mm-hmm. sent <clears throat> an irresponsible uh, journalism email uh, to Annette, uh, who's the wonderful PR person for the Connecticut Sun, uh, which was uh, the eyeballs emoji. And uh, <laughs> she responded with uh, the eyeballs emoji. So there was just this... Awareness throughout the day. Wow, AT may give this a try, but there's certain indomitable laws of human physiology at play here too, right? You, you know, all right. Look, she can want to come and play all she wants, but if your shoulder is damaged beyond a certain point, there's only so much you can do out on the floor. And so, all right, she goes out there again. You know, you go back to Willis Reed. Fine. She goes out there. What can she do once she gets there? And so I, I was asking Jasmine Thomas about this at postgame. I, I said, you know, when did you know that this was going to be an AT game? Because it was. And, and that was clear within the first couple of minutes. You were, you were looking. You're saying, she's doing everything she could do. She's shying for rebounds. She's running the offense as secondary and at times primary distributor. Uh, you know, last year... Yeah. She led them in assist percentage. One of, like, the first rebounds she grabbed, she, like, put her arms over her head, and I was like, how is she doing this? But that's kind of when I knew that she was just going to do everything she usually did because even her shooting stance, it's hard for her to fully reach both arms up. And to see her do that, I was like, AT is going to do something. Um, but I don't even know if I expected like a full, normal AT stat line. She played 38 minutes and 46 seconds. She played all but a minute 14 of that game. She shot 10 for 21 from the field, despite not having the human parts that are typically required to shoot a basketball at all. She's grabbing 12 rebounds on a night, by the way, and, and we'll get into this to, to some of the uh, Alexa asked that question last night. I, I have uh, a question about a couple of non-AT players, and it's almost like how you divide the sun at this point. Uh, not that the sun mm-hmm. are a one-woman band, because they're not, uh, as we'll talk about. I mean, they had three players in double feeders and rebounds last night. You know, Bree Jones grabbed 10 boards. Dewana Bonner grabbed 10 boards as well. So they have a lot of players, but it's just... <clears throat> it's one of these things where we're going to be talking about it for, I tweeted this last night, 
for many, many years to come for what Alyssa Thomas did. It, it, it absolutely takes the sun to another level. And so you and I were talking about this a little bit before we got on the air. Um, we both covered the sun last year as they came within a game of winning a championship. And John Paul Jones is a transcendent player who had 32 points and 18 rebounds in a WNBA Finals game. And Courtney Williams is one of the elite playmaking guards in this league. But did we find out that Alyssa Thomas is the indispensable Sun player? Um, I think if the Sun had won the finals, she was definitely in contention for finals MVP. But I think <clears throat> the offense ran last year, it was like JJ and AT as a package deal. So I think without JJ this season, there wasn't, I don't want to call JJ a distraction, but there wasn't somebody else kind of taking the spotlight away from her. Mm -hmm. So to have the full spotlight on Alyssa Thomas in this playoff series, I think a lot of people, and really the entire season so far, a lot of people have really been like, this is what Alyssa Thomas can do, that maybe weren't paying as, as close attention last year. It was interesting to me that, and there's no disrespect, or hashtag disrespect, to Candace Parker, who was on my old WNBA first team and had an elite season. But when you go look at, for instance, Synergy as defensive points per possession, not only was Alyssa Thomas uh, the lowest in the league, she was the lowest by about 0.4 or 0.04. Uh, it's a margin greater than any leader we've seen in the last four seasons, at least. I haven't gone back further than that. It seemed like she had that level of dominant defensive performance. And so when I look at the Sun Aces matchup, anything you can do to slow down Asia Wilson, well, that's something that most teams can't do at all. Is it the fact that Alyssa Thomas is built to be that counterweight to Asia Wilson that makes them such a tough matchup for the Aces in your view? Um, I, I don't know because I think that Alyssa Thomas could guard and has guarded everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when Asia Wilson was getting multiple people on her, there were other times that other players were on her, but I don't know if I could do like a one V one defensive matchup with Alyssa Thomas involved just because she's everywhere. So if Asia Wilson doesn't have ball, I don't necessarily think that Alyssa Thomas is guarding her because Alyssa Thomas is almost always where the ball is mm -hmm. and can break that and can break up anything. And I mean, she, it's just funny to think about what her position is, right? She didn't have any blocked shots last night, but she had three steals, and she was a dominant force. Again, that's not how you customarily think of a power forward. This is no knock on Asia Wilson, but Asia Wilson is a more customary power forward. I mean, Bill Ambeer runs a traditional offense in some significant ways, and that's, again, not a knock on him. In fact, I think part of what's made Vegas so successful is they have zagged towards an old school style in a time that 
much of the WNBA is focused on playing the way Washington did, playing the way Seattle did in 2018. And so I think that's made them a more difficult matchup. But in a lot of ways, the Sun are this counterbalance to it. The Sun are actually playing even more traditional, right? They're built around rebounding and defending, and they slow it down, whereas Vegas combines that type of crash in the glass with a pace that's been top two in the WNBA the last couple of years. So when you think about what the Sun need to do in order to finish them off, a lot of it seems to come down to, you know, AT's got to keep doing what she's done, but a lot of it comes down to performances like those from Brienne January and, and what she did in game two where she scored 20 points, being able to hit perimeter shots that Vegas is not hitting. Lambert spoke post-game about we need to find a second scorer. Connecticut doesn't really need to do that. They've got Dewana Bonner. They've got Brienne January. They've got you know somebody like Jasmine Thomas who could blow up. She went for 31, a career high in game one. Does it feel like Connecticut has the equation solved already in a way that Vegas doesn't to you? I definitely think so because throughout the season, yes, Alyssa Thomas may have had 15, 20 points in a game, but if she was having an off shooting night, Jasmine Thomas, Juana Bonner, Bree Jones, um, at times Bree on January, but for a lot of the season, she was still trying to get used to playing basketball again. But I think much like the Sun team of last year, anyone could step up and have 15, 20 points in a game. Um, and I think you've seen that throughout the season. Um, and I think since the beginning of this season, the Sun have gotten better at getting more players involved. Because while Alyssa Thomas may have had 23 points, there were, I think, three other players in double figures last mm-hmm. night. Um, so they've started to figure out how to have success in having multiple players really step up in a big role. And they did it with one for 11 from three last night. You know, they did it by playing an almost mistake-free offense. Uh, the box score, and in you know, true WNBA fashion, we don't seem to know exactly how many turnovers. Kurt said there were five from the box score he was looking at. WNBA apps is four. We know it wasn't a lot. <laughs> you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go with that uh, infuriating bit of imprecision. And that they are that aware of one another and where they go, I feel like is partially the Thomases haven't played together for so long. Partially, even their newcomers in 2020, Dewana Bonner and Brian January, have played with one another uh, over in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's an understanding, it seems like, watching them from where everyone is going to be on the court at any time. If Connecticut can win a game like they did last night, shooting one for 11 from three, how confident are you that the Sun are going to be able to close out Las Vegas by winning one of the final two games? I'm not a betting woman, but I would I would say, especially if they make a couple more threes, um, they're, they're probably going to do it. Um, my guess would be Sunday. Um, mm. But because even without Alyssa Thomas, the, the Sun were tied with I think a minute nine to go uh, in game two and Mm -hmm. then kind of fell apart in that last 69 seconds 
Um, so I think if Alasa Thomas had played in game two, I don't know if we would be waiting for a game on, on Sunday. And, and we do uh, have to point out, I mean, not just they, – they had some poor offensive possessions down the stretch, but Asia Wilson made some MVP plays too. I mean, Asia Wilson would not be denied in that final minute. And, and that is the danger, I feel like, for the Sun. If you allow Asia Wilson to be in a position to make the plays to win games, she has proven again and again this year she will do so. So it has to almost be a situation like what we saw last night, that it does not come down to a final possession. Vegas has the ball. They're going to Asia Wilson. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, yeah, and I, yeah, go ahead. I think as long as the Sun hit a couple more threes, it doesn't even have to be a lot, maybe a total of four or five. I think it'll open up their offense enough to where it, it won't come down to the final minute again. I'm going to leave you with this question before we go. We were talking in our Slack at the next this morning about whether Seattle – would prefer to face Vegas or the Sun. And uh, our intrepid storm reporter, uh, Derek James, said, and echoes the conventionalism, but he's been focused on the other series. Well, I would imagine Seattle would want to face the Sun at this point, you know, the seven seed instead of the one seed. Do you think that's the case, or do you think the Sun are a more difficult matchup for Seattle at this point? I... I think their defense, um, as long as it can hold out for four quarters uh, against the Storm, which they haven't fully been able to um, mm-hmm. in the two matches previously, um, but at different points they were banged <clears throat> up for different reasons. But I think as long as their defense continues to play the way that they have, it, it won't be a sweep for sure, but I think in four or five games, the Sun will at least have a, a fighting chance at at beating the Storm because if you look at how their defense is played, they're shutting down the, the MVP. Um, they are. They so are. I think the only thing that's difficult is that Seattle is a talented three-point shooting team. Seattle, Seattle's tough. They're, they're a tough matchup for anyone, but obviously for the Sun to be in that opportunity is something they would be excited to welcome. All right, la- last thing, and this has been the hypothetical I've been curious about, wondering about, thinking about for a couple of years now. Connected Sun win a WNBA championship. Thing I was asking all last year. Where's the parade? Where's the parade? Natalie, do you have an answer? I mean, do you parade through downtown Uncasville? Is it just like a parade through Mohegan? And, you know, there's a parade stop for Ben and Jerry's and for Bobby's Burger Palace. And, you know, you pull a slot machine. Like, well, where's the parade? What happens? How do you do that? Is that is a great question. Well, obviously, I don't think there would be a parade now um, right. due to COVID and everything else. Yes. I, it definitely would not be in Uncasville. I'm sure they have some sort of event rally type thing at Mohegan Sun, but I don't, if you're going to a city, you have to go to either New Haven or Hartford, and neither one is particularly close. Or Providence. Or Providence. Well, don't sleep on Providence. Well, I don't know if you you would want to have a, a parade in a state you don't play in. <laughs> it's very complicated. Have- no, I think you're right. you got to have like a pep rally in the arena yeah. 
which obviously we we're, we're not able to do right now because that is 2020. But listen, there is joy to be had for anyone who cares about basketball to see what Alyssa Thomas has done, is doing, and a performance for the ages, uh, quite frankly. And uh, AT is about to hit free agency, as is Jasmine Thomas. Uh, they, and we talked about this a little bit before we got on the air. The Sun have $533,000 uh, roughly uh, committed to 2021 in three players, Brianne January, John Paul Jones, and Dewana Bonner. Obviously, A.T. and Jasmine Thomas have to be tapped, right? I mean, there's no version of events where they cannot and should not be given match deals. I think if it comes down to it, um, I I haven't looked at all of the numbers and, and crunched all the numbers. Both were given max deals, what the team would look like. But I think that if one Thomas had to be picked, he would have to pick Alyssa Thomas um, hmm. because... Jasmine Thomas is a fantastic point guard in this league, but I don't think you could replace Alyssa Thomas without four different people at minimum. Um, he just does the work of so many more people. And you asked uh, Dewana Bonner about this and if she thought Alyssa Thomas would, would test free agency. And mm -hmm. I think Dewana Bonner succinctly told you that there's, there's no way that AT is leaving. You, you would just, it's true, she did, and you would say, well, everyone's going to be bidding a max salary to keep Alyssa Thomas uh, or take Alyssa Thomas away, and certainly I would be shocked if the Sun did not do precisely that, uh, but at the same time, predicting what Alyssa Thomas can do, as we've determined over the last two days, and predicting what she will do over the last two days, uh, is a fool's errand, and so I definitely won't be doing that <laughs> moving forward. We'll we'll take what DB said as the gospel. Well, Natalie Heverin, tell 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 the audience where people can find your work and everything that you do. Uh, I I know, uh, and it is my <laughs> sincere pleasure to work with you every single day. But but let the audience know. Uh, you can find me over at uh, the next. And then also on Twitter at Natalie Hevron. Um, that's that's about it. Natalie is a very wonderful writer and a delightful human being. Thank you, Natalie, for taking the time to hop on and discussing the sun for what I suspect will not be the last time this season. No, 